Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Stephanie Land is the author of Class, a memoir of motherhood, hunger, and higher education. Stephanie is also the author of the New York Times bestseller, Made, Hard Work, Low Pay, and a Mother's Will to Survive, called A Testimony Worth Listening to by the New York Times, and was inspiration for the Netflix series, Made. Her work has been featured in the New York Times, The Guardian, The Atlantic, and many other outlets. Her writing focuses on social and economic justice and parenting under the poverty line. She is a frequent speaker at colleges and national advocacy organizations. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss your latest book, Class, A Memoir of Motherhood, Hunger, and Higher Education. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
Of course. Can you just give a quick synopsis for readers who have not read this book yet? I don't know how they've missed it so far. I'm kidding. They've probably already read it. But just to give a quick synopsis of what what came after Made and why class and why now and how did, you know, I know you write a lot about the writing of Made, which was so cool to read about, but just tell me, tell everybody about this book. Well, so Maid kind of drops off right as we got to Missoula, um, much like it ended in the series. And so this book begins about a year and a half later, and I'm beginning my senior year of college, and my daughter is starting kindergarten. And and so it is a very tight timeline in a sense that it just goes from the... It follows that academic year because uh, a lot happened that year. <laughs> yes. You had a big year. <laughs> yeah. One piece of it, uh, I mean, there were so many pieces I, I really loved about this book, but one part was your love, di- discovering your own love of writing as we're reading your writing about it. So there was one part with the your teacher and in the MFA and how, how when you first got to campus, you said, I associated my writer self with my presence on campus. Writing, the real writing that mattered, was meant to be done without cartoons blaring in the background and someone asking for pancakes. That was, <laughs> I want to put that like up on my bulletin board somewhere. But then you really get into what makes things powerful to read about. And can I read this passage about Deborah and what she's saying sure. here? Okay. I filled my notebooks with gems Deborah doled out to us in class. One day she said, the stories you choose to tell are the stories that make up who you are. This hit me with such poignancy that I almost didn't want to hand in the story I'd written about being miserable on the flight to Paris to visit my mom for six weeks. But that is so apt, right? What what makes stories real? And then later when you get there and you tell, tell her about the book that's going to be made. And she's like, Stephanie, this is going to be a book. This is going to be a movie. Don't you see how this needs to be a book? And you said, a book about cleaning houses? I wanted to laugh, but I couldn't, seeing how serious Deborah was. This is, she said, and started to read it again. So cool. Tell me about that whole experience, your relationship with Deborah, like learning to write this way and finding your voice, really. Well, I so Deborah, I took uh, a few classes with her and I really admired her just for her, the way that she talked, you know, the, the, like the, her, her ability to tell a story mm-hmm. and she did it all the time. And it was, it was just, it was fantastic <laughs> just um, to kind of be in the presence of, of someone who was able to speak with such authority while, you know, going through this whole story arc. And, and, and so I, but I also learned to really appreciate her just kind of like, knowing about things like uh it's almost kind of witchy <laughs> like, <laughs> she's uh like she totally she told me recently that she in her mind she predicted that I was about to meet my husband <laughs> but she didn't tell me because she knew that I wouldn't believe her <laughs> but she's like she's just a, a really incredible sensitive person and and it's it's really unique to have someone like that in you know in class with you especially as an instructor and so i just i kind of like followed her around <laughs> um, and and signed up for her classes even though like she was teaching a genre that i i don't really write in and then i you know i i think the college experience itself was just trying to find these little pockets of of empathy and and familiarity and and acceptance wow 
It's amazing. You have another section that I literally like underlined 50 times and couldn't even decide which part to even start reading because all of it is just so poignant and amazing. I just love the way you write. Hold on one second. Let me find this one passage. Okay. Tell me what you think about all of this. You said, only grateful people who followed the rules ran any chance of being heard. My anger had no use or value. It didn't get me anywhere. So I had no choice but compliance. Immediate acceptance of any shitty situation was what most people seem to mean by resilience. And they needed poor people like me to be that way. Otherwise, my suffering would be too visible to ignore, and they would have to deal with their feelings about that, whether helplessness or responsibility. If people were made too aware of our suffering, like knowing what Amelia ate for dinner every night or that we shared a bedroom, and if we were deemed innocent or undeserving of that suffering, then those people might feel the need to help out in some way. It was easier for a lot of people to imagine how strong and high-functioning I was as opposed to how desperate and on the edge of disaster we really were. And then you say, resilience is a flag we poor people could wave to gain that trust. If we proved ourselves time and time again, people nodded in approval. And then you said, I've spent so much of my life pretending not to be angry and I'm not doing that anymore. Yes. Beautiful. This is powerful, (laughs) powerful writing here. It's really amazing. Tell me how you think about these things, how you feel about these things. Now that it's out in the world, like Do you feel a rallying cry around your message? Because this is almost, this is like movement making type speeches here, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I kind of call that the, that's the soapbox section. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, um, I, I think it was, I, I read an interview or something by Emmy Neifield, Neifield. Um, She, she wrote the book Acceptance. It was on my podcast. Yeah, yeah. And, um. And she talked about, uh, she compared the term resilience to just acceptance and, and just that's what it really is. And, and I, I, I realized like, well, wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what it is. I have been a public speaker for five years and I end up speaking for a lot of nonprofits and the term resilience is, I think was really popular, you know, toward the end of the Obama administration and, and it became kind of like this catch-all phrase that was assigned to marginalized populations. And I started to see it as resilience training because not only are we told to kind of sit down and shut up and just be grateful, it was also, I, I just, people expected me to be superwoman. And I don't know how many times people told me like, I never have to worry about you because mm-hmm. I know that you're fine and I know that you're doing okay and I know that you're strong. And I didn't have the heart to tell them like, well, actually you should be worrying about me. Like I would really appreciate that <laughs> because I didn't want to, I guess I didn't want to kind of like destroy this facade that they had or like this imagery that they had. I, I didn't want them, I never wanted anyone to be concerned, you know, about my children, because that is a very scary situation. You know, if, if especially government systems (laughs) start to become concerned about a child's welfare, then, then that's where things get really scary, really fast. And so I, I avoided that possibility at all costs. And, and that meant playing the part as far as being the person that people expected me to be. And then what would happen away from all the people? Oh, well, 
<laughs> I, I I say it in the book. I, I had this mantra that was just kind of like you you must not allow yourself to fall apart, mm-hmm. and that that was that was an actual thing. I mean, there there were times that if I allowed myself to cry, then I would just be crying all the time because things felt so impossible and just things like I. But I didn't even have a moment to process anything, let alone cry about it and just how exhausted I was. Every year when school started, I just, I referred to it as a whole new level of exhaustion because that's just, that's just what it was. And I kind of had to like brace myself for not sleeping very much. Oh my gosh. I have to say, I mean, I know, I knew what happened because of made and everything else, but reading this, I was like, I don't, I don't know if she's going to be okay. I'm like, this is structural. Like, I don't see the way out of this. There are these things. And like, how is she going to deal with this and this? And, you know, you painted quite a a picture of like, okay on the outside, but like, how is this going to work out? Like, is it going to work out? And it's something that I feel like so many people share this external, not bravado, but just, and I see what you're saying about government reasons and, but people do it for far less important reasons, right? Just the, the mask when really it's like, there are some structural reasons here why this is a massive struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of purposely wanted to stress people out as I (laughs) read this book. Thank you so much. (laughs) Uh, Well, that was one thing that I heard about the Netflix series was like, like, oh, it's really hard for me to watch because like, I, it just stresses me out so much. Like she's doing all of this math and like, she, I like, I don't know if she's going to make it. And I'm like, just great. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. I, I like, I, I think, you know, the more that any kind, any form of media or, you know, art or either visually or written, like that it can evoke this mm-hmm. feeling of what it really feels like to be on the edge of extreme housing insecurity and, and not being able to eat and losing everything. Like, Mm -hmm. and especially, you know, like I, I am obviously I'm, I'm a white person telling the story. And, and so to some people, it would be unexpected that I would be like on, on edge like that, just because it's not really the story that, well, anybody is able to really tell, but it's like, you don't expect it to be from uh, a person who grew up middle-class and, and is now like in college. So I felt it was really important to, I don't know how many times I had to edit the start of a sentence or a chapter that was just like, come on, we got to go. Come on. <laughs> so, I think like there's like three or four that are still in there. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I read the New York Times piece, I think it was New York Times piece about, you know, the after effects and how people now assume you can do whatever and like, you know, that you're still the effects of the book deal and the movie and everything on your day-to-day life and what people think versus what life is actually like. And then of course that's all in the paper. So how, how do you feel about this level of and it's one thing to write a memoir where you control the narrative, right? And you control what to put in versus what people are taking out of it or the stories being told. How how are you feeling about that sort of public-private thing? Well, in the case of the the New York Times profile, I I mean, I Ron and I had talked for I think he spent a total of like 10 hours with me. So like I had absolutely no idea what he was going to choose <laughs> to focus on because he had a lot of 
he had a lot to choose from. So I, I was really pleased with, with what he did and how he wrote about me mm-hmm. and, and that he chose to focus on just how hard it was to, to purchase a house <laughs> uh, <laughs> with, you know, the type of income that I have coming in. And, but I, I learned through him that, that I, I think people thought or assumed that I had made like millions of dollars from this Netflix series. And, and that was news to me. Like, but then like, once I started to think about it, I'm like, Oh, well, that, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> like, that's why people are asking me for like loans and, and donations and like assuming that I have all this money to donate to churches and, and, so it's it it was nice to have like this readjustment of or just like this like knowing what people thought about like how successful I actually was <laughs> when you know in truth it's it's still I mean I I'm still working my ass off all the time so <laughs> and but I don't think I'm ever going to not do that but it's still because of need at this point <laughs> what are you working on now Oh, well, I mean, right now I'm just trying to stay sane through book tour. So <laughs> that's my main job right now. So I, uh, my first event is tonight. And then I don't think we're going to be done until the end of November. So oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some outliers in December, but between book tour and public speaking, like I'm, I'm pretty busy. It's definitely not a job I ever expected to have. <laughs> I didn't know that being a writer translated to talking to people. So how do you feel about having to talk to people? Uh, it's not a natural thing for me to do. I usually avoid that <laughs> situation. So <laughs> it's, but I mean, I have learned some ways to cope <laughs> through it. You know, like I, I recently discovered uh, beta blockers. Those, those are amazing. Um, I have, <laughs> I do have, you know, I, I have mental, I mental illness, I have anxiety and PTSD and, and those kind of rule my life and in ways that I'm still learning about. So it was really important to me to, to be active in advocating for myself, especially on book tour. So life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like, what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. I thought in some social media post you were talking about later, later diagnosed autism or something. Did I? Oh, make that's that? my husband. Yeah. Yeah. So he did not know? No, he trying to like sum this up. <laughs> he was in the military for 10 years and just, I, I think it's common for a late age diagnosis of, well, identification of, of autism. So for people in their forties and, and above. And when, after we got married, we kind of decided that we wanted to try and have a, a child together. And after the first miscarriage, I had, I had four in a year, it became really obvious that he, he just didn't know how to validate or, you know, really empathize. And, and I knew he wasn't an asshole, <laughs> like a jerk or anything. And I'm just like, I think, I think you might be autistic. And like, and so I kind of finally convinced him to go and get an evaluation or, or something done. And, and so he was identified with autism and that was the beginning of 2021. So it's still new and it's still something that I would say heavily affects our relationship just because I, I'm kind of the antithesis of, of, <laughs> of an autistic brain <laughs> so, just because I speak and, and, and live in emotions Wow. Well, how lucky is he that you were not just like, oh, I guess he is just an asshole. I mean, so many, <laughs> most people would just be like, great, look what I got myself into. <laughs> no, no. He's a really, he's a really good guy. He's he's wow. very kind and he's very nice. And he's taking care of everything in my house right now. So <laughs> wow. that's amazing. You didn't mention the four miscarriages that you just referred to, and I am so sorry for the emotional toll that that undoubtedly took and having to go through that experience. And while you you do share so much with us in the book, you write about that in the afterward, I think in the acknowledgments or, or something. Why is that? Or just because it came later? Like why? I don't know. I guess time-wise, why tell it there? Did you think about writing more about it? Oh, in the acknowledgments? Oh, I think that's because I was acknowledging my friend Carrie, who is currently sharing this hotel room with me. She's Hi, Carrie. <laughs> She's taking a shower, actually. Okay. But I didn't have friends for a long time. I felt like I, since I couldn't give back to a friendship, then I couldn't be the one who was always taking. And and so, I mean, this has been the topic of therapy for many years. But so I just, I I closed down. Success was also extremely isolating. I lost a lot of really good friends uh, just out of pure jealousy. Uh, and cattiness. And so I, you know, after Maid came out and everything was going nuts and I weathered that alone and, and it, it was, it was so hard and, and it took me a long time to really learn how to have friends and carry slid into my DMs <laughs> at the beginning of 2020. And, and she was about to sell her book and, and I had just sold my second one. And, and we just became really close friends really quickly. And, and so I, I, I don't think I would have lived through 2020 without her. So I don't, I don't say that lightly. Like it, grief is, is 
is a wallop, man. It's it's still like I still haven't really fully grasped what it really did to me as a person. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, she she was there. So and then you know that grew to my writing group formed. We first called it the Not Writing Club, and then <laughs> rebranded ourselves as Sulky Bitches. And <laughs> and some of them came up for my book event tonight, and we had dinner together last night. And so it's been really it's been an incredible part of, of my life, like mid forties, you know, to finally have really close friends that, you know, I, I just, I don't think I've ever really had that in my life. So, Aww. yeah. So I brought up the miscarriages just cause she was there for, for it all. Oh, that's really beautiful story of friendship. I do think there's something instantly recognizable in other writers. There's some like shorthand when writers meet and talk. And I don't know if it's that we all have anxiety disorders or what, (laughs) but I think that's part of it. It's like that part of your brain that makes you think about things so deeply, because if you weren't thinking about it deeply, you certainly wouldn't be writing about it. Like like by definition, you are analyzing and observing and all of that. So I don't know. I I think the writing community being so supportive of each other for the most part is, is really wonderful. But. Yeah. I mean, writers are kind of an odd bunch and, and I, we just kind of speak a different language and, and especially in the, the, the group, it was just like, Oh, my daughter just like did this and this and this. And then one of us pipes in like, that sounds like an essay. Yeah. <laughs> <Totally>. Great title. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was, and it's just like, I recognized that I was a writer when I was like 10 and and i i just kind of instinctively knew that it was a different form of of person <laughs> to just kind of process information that way and and to want to record your life or to create stories and and so i i kept journals as a daily writer for a long time but yeah i i don't know if i've ever had like a group of close friends that, that weren't writers. Like mm-hmm. they're just kind of the only people that really understand <laughs> <laughs> the chaos. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. Where do you want life to go now? Do you have any like giant dreams? Like giant, I know that's such a cliche question, but I don't know. You can do anything. You have proved yourself as a writer. You're, you have all this attention on you right now. Like, what do you want to do with it? Where are you going to go with it? Well, that's kind of a thing that my agent is wanting to know right now. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, it's, it's crazy to me that I can't stop comparing the book writing process to pregnancy and having a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like I'm holding this newborn, you know, in the mesh diaper and like just birthed this thing. And they're just like, so when are you going to have another one? Mm-hmm. And it's Sorry. like, I, <laughs> no, it's, it's fine that you weren't asking that specifically. So it, I think it's kind of funny, but it's also conversations that I'm having right now and in, in like a serious way. So I'm very keen on this idea of having a trilogy. Like, you know, maybe it's, I, I need things to be tidy and in an order. And, and, and so the, the three sounds pretty cool. There's, there's a lot that happened after class ended. Main thing that happened was I, I was able to get an apartment in low income housing and, 
and I had, it was a situation where my income didn't affect my rent. Um, and it sounds like crazy to say this number, but my rent was $430 a month for this, you know, tiny little apartment, but it had like a washer and dryer. It had a bathtub, you know, like, and that changed everything for me. So that was how I was able to focus on writing. Mm. And, you know, I wrote with a newborn in my lap, but like, that was how I started freelancing. And then, you know, freelancing turned into an essay that went viral. And and the rest is kind of why I'm talking to you right now. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Isn't it crazy how everybody's life, like all those decisions, the sense is silly, but like, it could easily, the fact that any of us end up talking to each other, that any of us are where we are is so unlikely, you know, that every connection, I don't know. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Aspiring? I, you know, the thing that I usually end up teaching and and focusing on is the business of writing. And, and I think a lot of people do not view themselves as a business. And do not think of themselves as something that they need to brand and market mm-hmm. and have a separate account for and mm-hmm. you know do taxes for and it's just like there's you know it's almost like a a dirty word to talk about money when you're talking about art in general but for me that was that was why I was working was I mm-hmm. I I couldn't work for free and so but when it came time to like invoicing and and you know putting money in the bank and then paying taxes on it and stuff like i i had no idea what i was doing and and so you know you're going to be a writer or you're not like that's that's up to you but like i would advise people like don't shy away from thinking of yourself as as a business and 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 really owning that i mean like it was it was empowering for me to to get like an LLC and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, like I have a couple of employees, one of them is traveling with me on, on book tour. And like, I, I, I hated the term branding in the beginning, but like, but now it's, it's something that, that really makes sense. And, and so, but it's, I don't know. I, I think people don't like to admit that they're working on creating this brand and and content based on that brand. And so that, you know, you are kind of a thing that is associated with a certain thing. And, but I, that has been huge part of, of building my life as a writer. Very, very important. Good to think about early. Hopeful. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get all the same URLs. Get them now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Stephanie, congratulations on class. So exciting. It was so good. And it's just impossible not to root for you in life. It's just like we you take us through all of this and I hope you can, you know, feel and hear the all of us out there who are just cheering you on, even though you don't know all of us. But now you know me. But you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, the response to this book has just been so amazing. I, 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 I was scared. I was nervous. I, you know, I'm, I am angry in this book, and I am, you know, I'm having lots of sex with lots of people, and yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I don't think they're gonna think about this one, and but yeah. the the response has been like, uh, really amazing. Uh, sex in books never turns people away. This is like, you know, one of those things. I think that people generally <laughs> yeah. tend to like that. I'll just throw that out there. Anyway. 
<laughs> all right. Good I, luck with all your events. <laughs> all right. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.